Hello, wrestling fans, and thank you for joining us again as we are reliving the extreme. Nate Maxson here with you, and of course, I am joined, as always, by my brother Aaron. Hello. And ECW alumnus Mr. Chad Austin is here with us. Shut it the fuck down. (laughs) And this week's show, we are reviewing ECW Ultra Clash 1993 from the ECW Arena, September 18th. And uh, just a little tidbit of information. Chad, this is a couple of times on the show, you have mentioned that you remembered the show where Eddie Gilbert and Doug Gilbert left. Eddie was selling his ring gear and etc. This is indeed that show. Um, the report that someone filed for the Pro Wrestling Torch about this show actually has... During intermission, Eddie Gilbert gave a speech saying farewell to his fans, saying he was pursuing other interests. He was trying to sell his wrestling gear, $200 for his boots, $70 for his tights, and $150 for his ring jacket. He said how he was proud to be king of Philadelphia, and he left. The fans popped for him as he left. So there you go. This is that show. That must have been... That must have been... When Doug grabbed the baseball bat, Oof. <laughs> and then and went bananas backstage. You know, so that, I mean, I I think we brought it up on the show before. I don't think it's any secret. Like this was my first show, like not working for the company, but my first show backstage. Mm-hmm. And this is what you said. This is ninety three. Yeah, September eighteenth. I was, was twenty two years old, maybe, and I go backstage, and the first thing I see is Eddie Gilbert basically getting run out of the business, and his brothers beating up tables with a baseball bat about stopping him from going out there and doing whatever. I'm going, what? I'm working here. <laughs> I mean, how is this going to benefit? And but, so, but, but yeah, it was it, it was it was crazy. Because being a, a mark, because I was in the crowd mm-hmm. before the show started, I actually tried to go back and look for myself because I know where I was at. I tried to look for myself back in the crowd to see where I was at, and I couldn't find me. I thought I found me because I did wear glasses back then, and and then I remember being backstage, and it it it, it was it was very cool to go back and watch the show because being backstage. I, I wasn't, I, I couldn't watch the whole entire show. Right. Because I was being, you know, not being thrust around like I was a star or anything. I was basically a jabroni guy who was lost and didn't know what to do, you know, but they only had one monitor. But yeah, um, it was a, it was a phenomenal. Yeah. It was a, it was a great, it, to me, it was um the Eddie Gilbert thing. I'm just looking around going, what's going on? Right. Yeah. Not knowing the machinations of everything going on behind the scenes. Um, so would Doug flipping out, I'm assuming that that probably took place. I'm assuming that didn't take place before he went to the ring. I'm assuming that was after he got done with everything he had to do in the ring that night. Oh, uh, I'm not, a, it, it was either. Well, I bet, I bet you it was before he, um, he set up his table outside. Okay. So uh, I don't know. I don't know where that coincided with his run in. Mm-hmm. So to speak, that clearly he was dressed for right um, in the running. So I don't know where that coincided with that, but I I bet you it was around that period when he had his table. Because that, that that was that was just not like ECW. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, I didn't even know what I didn't even know ECW ECW rules. There was no ECW rules. They were making them up as they went along. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I mean, but you know what I mean? Yeah. There was no etiquette. So yeah, he just said, fuck it. I'm just selling my shit. Sell my shit. <laughs> Beat some shit up with a bat and then we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was crazy, man. Was it or was it not refreshing to hear Joey Styles start off this show? I, I, well, I don't know about that, Nate. Um, <laughs> I had gotten accustomed to the, the stylings of Jay Sully. Our, our friend Six Pack, who we're going to see later on in the show. Oh, uh, oh, do we? Yeah, do we ever? We we replaced like it with. I was just say, oh, so so Sully's gone. You don't know where you got till it's gone. Bring back Sully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he shows up in a straw hat later on. <laughs> the show opens up with the ECW debut of the Public Enemy, as they have a. I mean, it's a match. It happened. It was uh, against Jason Knight and Ian Rotten who Jason Knight would eventually become, obviously, just Jason. Um, at this point, I think he's just coming off doing jobs for WWF, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the relationship. Clearly, you can see that Paulie just needed two guys that he wanted to put Public Enemy over on. Mm-hmm. And he, he couldn't find two guys in the locker room. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't two guys. Were they that bad? That even, like, two independent guys... Wouldn't put him over. They had to go out to the crowd and find Ian. <laughs> you know, because you know, Axel's the one that said, I'm, I ain't doing it. Okay. Yeah, we can. Ian, we Ian Rotten is, Ian Rotten is just a slightly less offensive looking, like, Canadian wolfman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fair assessment. That's at, least, at least, at least Ian put a shirt on. I'll give him that. <laughs> Dude, Ian, Ian, like Ian's one of my buddies. I, 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 I don't want to beat up. I don't, I don't like that garbage stuff that he promotes, whatever. And I like Axel and all, but him and Ian are the Axel and Ian are the worst for when somebody body slams you and you're overweight, and instead of selling your back, you pull the front of your shirt down mm-hmm. to cover your gut. Like they hit, they he did it so many times in that match. That I was just like, he, he just threw you in the corner and you're pulling your shirt down. You're I actually, you, you're pulling your shirt down. That's funny that you said it because I actually picked up on that. I put Ian's obviously ba- very body conscious because they both were. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, but like I you said, do anything about it. <laughs> like you, like you said, Chad. Why couldn't you do? Why couldn't we have Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal in here against the Public Enemy? You know, somebody like that. Instead, we get Donnie later on in the Battle Royal, but we'll talk about that. Overall, this match, I don't have a lot of notes on it, other than it was short and sweet. And then well, as, far as, um, as far as how, the, the Ian Rotten and Jason Public Enemy match? Yeah, I don't have a lot of notes on it, to be honest. I, I, wrote, um, I wrote it was just a good open. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was a great introduction to a new, a new character team. And, I mean, it was, it was outside the box. Right. You know, yeah. It wasn't like they put Road Warrior Hawk with fucking, you know, Jimmy Snuka, Tom Morocco, yeah, yeah, Tom Mar- yeah Jimmy Snuka, and uh, TCB brother. It wasn't <laughs> like they, they did anything like that. They brought in a, new, they introduced a new character, and the people were willing to accept it. Mm-hmm. That was the the best thing about it. Like they were willing to accept it. They didn't know. I, I don't. There's no chance that 90 percent of them people. Of that, whatever, 600 people that were in that building 
knew that one of them was Ted Petty, the cheetah kid, and the other one was fucking fat Johnny. I don't even know what his gimmick was. And <laughs> I W C C W C C W sub you. I don't know what, what his gimmick was, but there's no chance they knew, but they accepted the gimmick. You understand? Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it, it was an audience. It was an audience craving something new and they gave them something new. You know, they gave them something new to look at other than, I mean, we're going to have the super destroyers later on in the oh, show. Oh boy, are we? But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, like you like you were kind of alluding to these people. The people accepted it because they wanted something new and something fresh. And yeah, so Aaron, any comments on the on the match itself? Just kind of what you guys were saying, and if it was kind of their way of showing you, hey, things are going to change a little bit, and we're going to write out the shoot. Here you go, something different. Well, well, which one of you two were bigger into reading the sheets? Probably me. So what do you, what do you think the fan base was like then? Like re, as far as reading the sheets, because I was reading the sheets mm-hmm. then, and he, I'm thinking like, what, is it is the fan base liking it because it's different? Different? Or are they liking it because they think they're smart? Different? Di- if you know what I mean. Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. Because at this time, I was, let's see, 93. I was 15. So I was, you know, coming of age in that I was not, I was no longer a little Hulkamaniac. No. I was, start, I, you know, I was starting to actually see the business for what it was and start to look at, at, at the product a little deeper. And that's why I started subscribing to the sheets. So you saw what all them prayers and vitamins and stuff. Yeah, brother. Yeah. brother. And you said, I don't need this anymore, brother. (laughs) But it's, and at this time, 93 WWF was stale. WCW was off the fucking rails. (laughs) And you know, the people are just craving something new and something different. And Polly saw that, you know, he, you know, took, took, what was going on in Puerto Rico and some of the well, stuff that was going on that in Japan. A, that's interesting what you just said right there. About Pauly? Yeah. That is that is a very that's a dateline-ish <laughs> like kind of tagline right there, as you could say, about Paulie when it comes to ECW. Cause it, it to me it goes back to um the relationship that Eddie and Paul had in in Mobile in mm-hmm. Alabama. And then for this to happen, it's like that must have been a really fucking fucked up breakup. Right. You yeah. Know? I mean, mm-hmm. something had to have really gone, you know, exponentially wrong in that breakup. Because if you look at what, who, who did what for who? And Eddie, I, Eddie did, Eddie did for Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul did, um, and then Eddie did for Paul again. Right. <laughs> and then Paul said, I don't do it for you. Eddie. Yeah. Fucked him. Yeah. <laughs> Did not reciprocate. Nope. Um, oh, that's very interesting. That, that that's almost Dateline-ish. Like you know, that's like yeah. Dark Side of the Ring-ish. I mean, isn't it kind of? It, yeah, it would be an awesome story to hear because like, I I really haven't heard any. I, I'll have to look through these things and the torches that I have, but I haven't seen anything. And they really, to be honest, so far aren't reporting much on ECW in the show in the. Other than it just being part of the their indie wrap up or whatever, they're not talking about it as a promotion of substance yet. So, but yeah, if somebody knew, you know, the story about, I'm sure Todd does. About, yeah, I don't you know, think I, I don't I don't want to say anything bad about Todd. I've never had a bad dealing with Todd, but 
I don't think he fucking knows. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think you're barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> yeah, he's trying getting played to, by both of them more than like to get any information. That, yeah, you know who said that, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He Pauly just Pauly just played him better. I mean, at the end of the day, just played the game better. Yeah, that's that's entirely that's entirely true. But you know, it's hilarious that we're talking about a wrestling territory in 1993. <laughs> When the territories have been gone for, I don't know, almost five years. Right. Before, and this is the last, you know, Smoky Mountain's out there, sure. Okay, I'll give Smoky Mountain credit. But other than that, it's ECW. And they're not Mm -hmm. even running as much as Smoky Mountain. And and look about... It's where they're at. They're on the East Coast. You right. know, they're gonna get they're gonna get more opportunity. They're gonna get more their 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 talent pool is gonna be a lot bigger, clearly, right? Yeah, and their fan base is gonna be more accepting of something new too. Whereas, you know, your Smoky Mountain crowd yeah, they want, see... yeah, they want black eye, white guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that literally, not black hat, white hat guy. <laughs> The next match on this show is for the coveted Pennsylvania State Championship. And Hunter Q. Robbins is still here. He's still floating around. He is managing Tony Stetson, who I didn't even know won the title. And we never saw a title no, change. No, I was going to say, like, this had to have been something they were doing on their little spot shows. That they uh, were it, was doing. Over, like, it was over a game of dominoes. Because <laughs> they were, like, talking about stuff that happened in this feud and never was even on TV. Like, they were talking about Cairo losing the belt and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, no, no, that shit ever even happened on TV. So they were well, either making it up. If you went on ECW.com in 93, you, you would have seen that um, that the, the Pennsylvania title was 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> it would have it taken. So actually, Jay Sully won the belt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he lost the belt. Matt Radico won the belt. Then he ended up losing the belt to Bob Ortiz, I think it was. And then that dirty Stevie Wonderful got a ring yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. And then all of it ended up being a loser leave the company stipulation. <laughs> and then everybody left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, that's, like, that's like, why, why is it? It's a great gimmick to use nowadays. If you win this. This belt, it means you're gone. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I don't know. I see something here. <laughs> the during this match, actually, it wasn't a badly worked match. I didn't think, and it didn't. It didn't lose my interest. And, and I liked. I liked. I, I liked. Yeah, I liked Stetson working the goofy heel thing, like when he ran into the scaffold, and you know, I mean, it, it was good for what it was. These guys went out and tried anyway. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I wrote, and, and I thought I was pretty confident when I when I wrote it down. And I, I I'm going to take this back uh, vehemently um, in a few moments that I wrote. First off, I thought it was too many rest holds. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't they didn't know how to work to that crowd. And that's fine because they didn't. These guys don't get the reps that a lot of guys get, or they work so many times a week or do so many. You know, at, right. So they're going to do whatever they were trained to do. They don't, they haven't explored, they haven't explored yet. And I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of rest holds. And I wrote, I, I this is what I wanted to hit on that. I wrote, it was probably going to be, oh, you're going to love this, Aaron. I wrote that it was probably going to be the worst match on the show. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Well, I can't believe that I forgot where I, my, I was on my notes when I had a little mark. 
next to it on the paper. Let me know where I wrote, this is probably going to be the worst match on the show. The doozy hasn't even hit yet. It turned out it wasn't even the third worst. Dude, the super doozies. Oh my god! Wait, wait till we get to the super doozies. <laughs> uh, Aaron, any uh, any thoughts on that? You got any notes on the match here? Just that um, I just put the Stetson actually kind of looked better, not having his his mullet and all that. And he, I mean, he, I just thought he looked better, like in this singlet without his mullet. I mean, he actually looked not like schlubbish or whatever. And I just thought right. that. It, it the match was what it was, and it was it was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't anything that you were gonna drive home in the car and be like, man, that Stetson Cairo match. <laughs> I can't believe changed, what I saw. Changed well, my life. Changed, changed my, my life. life. And I think that it probably, I probably think that it prolonged his career there because I, I, I too felt that when he walked out and he had that belt over his shoulder, he had a decent looking look to him, mm-hmm. like a swagger, you know. Yeah, and. And, and the way that it came across on TV, you almost want to be like, yeah, you know what? I, this, you guy, know? this guy might be something, yeah. And, and, and look at the field. Look at the rest of the guys that we were talking about and look who sticks around who's still working there in 94. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you did you guys notice I have on my notes? Because the, the match, folks, ends with a belt shot um, with Stetson going over. But did you notice Tony had a little trouble getting a hold of the belt when he was trying to, did you even notice that? Like when he was trying to get the belt off the table outside the ring, he's just kind of like fishing around for it. He was having trouble getting a hold of that belt. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. It, oh, it's, but... I, I, it seemed like as a rib, like somebody would have like put the belt around the table and strapped it in. Yeah. It was like, he was, he was struggling. He was on the struggle bus to get a hold of that belt. It's to... right there on the table. Right. Grab <laughs> it. If, if, if worst case scenario is take the whole entire table in there with you. That's a weapon, too. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I thought that was, I literally expected that to be the worst match of the night. And there's nothing against either one of the two guys. Not not at all. Because I just figured, I looked down the lineup with the rest of the guys, the talent that was on the show. And I just figured, okay, now we're getting towards the end of the preliminaries. You know, mm-hmm. so to speak. And... I ended up, I was in, I'm like, well, you know, all right, well, that's the worst thing that's going to be on the show. Then, you know, I'm cool with that. You know, I didn't fucking throw anything at the TV, you know, or, or you know. Yeah, it didn't even turn out to be the second worst thing on the show. Mm. But I, but little did I know. Up next. It's, it's, next. it's, it's been a, it's been a, a, a whirlwind, a whirlwind story. It's the one the world's been waiting for. <laughs> the clamoring. It's been, <laughs> it's been a doozy versus doozy. Yes, it's been a whirlwind story. Oh, it is next. Where we, this <laughs> oh gentleman, one of these gentlemen has been turned on twice. That yeah. evil, evil Hunter in Q. Reverse. Robbins in, in reverse. reverse. The evil Hunter Q. <laughs> Robbins in the middle of all of this. Yes, that's right, folks. It's Super Destroyer 1 versus Super Doozy 2. Destroyer one is worse at picking friends than Sting. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're 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 not lying, man. I, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm I, I don't honestly. I'll let you guys beat it up first because <laughs> it, it it was. I hate to use this word. This is not fair to Doug or AJ. It's not fair to them. But it was ridiculous. The, the, you know, it was just um, 
them two just didn't know how to work in front of that crowd. And it's not their fault, you know? The match was just, it was so plotting. It was just so plotting. It was just plotting. Excruciating. Yeah, it was. Excruciating is way of a better word than (laughs) plotting. At least plotting sounds like you have an an ends to a mean. But but excruciating is like, I have to watch this. And it just won't end. It just won't end. Like, the, okay, this match was probably seven minutes long. It was five minutes too long. And the offense was bad. Everything was, you know, I, I guess I guess the the uh, the term of the times is indie-rific. Mm-hmm. You know, it's indie-rific. But for 1993, yeah, it was very indie-rific. The clotheslines, they were like right in the fucking... Right and above the pecs, you know, and when um, when, when know, number when number one landed on number two with that reverse splash, he landed on him like a fucking couch. Like, did you notice that? Like, you oh, just, well, that kind of crap. They don't know how to do that yet because that that's fucking big in Mexico. <laughs> they haven't found somebody in the states yet to figure out how they can work that. So these two big fucking gigantic fucks are just jumping all over each other. <laughs> but the other, but the offense and the punches and all that crap. That was all just, uh, you know, it was indie-rific. And, and I, I, you know, I like I said, I don't want to beat up them guys at all. But you can obviously tell the crowd was just like, what the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, for instance, I even wrote down, did you see how many people, nine people walked by in the background of that, in the, in the background of it, that were going to the consensus stand. Yep, this is your your popcorn match. They sold more pretzels. Well, no, they didn't sell popcorn. (laughs) They sold popcorn, they sold pretzels, and they sold beer there. That's about it. Yeah, it was, um, I I felt bad for the both of them. And can you imagine how bad my, my, my friend Doug felt? When they took his mask off, and then and it wasn't Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> and <laughs> and all Joey could keep saying was, "I know who this guy is, but I he just can't familiar. place him." He looks yeah. familiar. I think, yeah, I, I think he replaced my pool filter. Yeah, I mean, there's a million. <laughs> I, I didn't even write a joke for that because I figured not only were you two write a joke for that, that <laughs> anybody listening to this will can write a joke for that. I know you. <laughs> I've seen you at the Super Save Mart. Yeah. yeah. We just had an inch and a half of snow and you shoveled my sidewalk. <laughs> and you destroyed it, my friend. You absolutely destroyed it. Yeah, that, that, I felt, so, I, I really felt bad for Doug. That was like, I bet you AJ probably volunteered to lose because he didn't want to, have to take his mask off in Philadelphia and have everybody go, I want to know what the fuck is that? Because yeah. they said it for fucking Doug. And, and Doug was a, you know what? Doug didn't last too much longer after that, honestly. He lasted about four years. Mm. The, uh, Aaron, I know we kind of dominated on talking about the match. Do you have any uh, other notes there about little the little said about this the best it was just bad it was dumb and it was just it it was it it was it was just it was cabrini it was cabrini rific yeah yeah and after this match they 
start a trend that at times would be something ECW would do. Um, Dark Patriot comes out to attack Super Destroyer Number One, who is still masked. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just trying to catch up with you, but I had a whole lot more notes on that last match. Oh my! <laughs> but no, that now that I'm reading them, we pretty much covered them. Like, <laughs> we, we we covered them. I'm just reading them, going, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> and then I, I agree with myself. <laughs> I, I wrote this guy's name down. I don't know if you know this guy's name. Um, oh my god, his name is Chuck. I don't remember his last name. I don't know. But um, if you go back and watch, there was a big boom that started um during like that fucking whatever match we just talked about. And I, I'm a hundred percent sure that that was him. Like, and I'm just like, the crowd is like, don't want to see this anymore. Yeah, like, they want this. They want to get the get the fucking hook. Get these guys yeah. out of here. Yeah. I, I'm trying to keep up with the way the show format's running. I'm sorry, I'm behind, but I wrote so many notes about how bad this was <laughs> that it's incredible. <laughs> oh, was that? Oh, we haven't got to the um. Okay, now we're now. I think I'm caught up now. Dark, yeah. Dark Patriot comes out. Uh, or yeah, Dark Patriot comes out, and then uh, JT comes out to make the save, and then we just roll right into the, the scaffold match. Dark Patriot and JT Smith on a scaffold, and uh, right off the bat, Dark Patriot starts off by shooting powder in the eyes of uh, of JT. Aaron, you want to go through your notes on this deal? Is that what he did? He threw powder. At yeah, the right off, right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're fucking kidding me! I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, he powdered him, and then it just. Uh, scaffold matches are what they are. They're my, it's my least, it's my second least favorite, like stipulation or specialty match. Um, cause there's not a lot they can do. Um, I mean, these guys, they did okay on it. Um, I thought it was cool that they use the fucking, uh, pipes in the ceiling as, oh, that, as was, oh. that was, that was pretty cool. And, and that could have been dangerous. But, yeah. It was, it was ballsy too. Um, something else that I wrote, and and Chad might know this, but I don't. Did Joey call wrestling anywhere before ECW? No, I think he was fucking Paulie's insurance uh, agent. Because <laughs> for for just first time doing it, fucking Joey's killing it on here, man. Is it? I don't know if he, he was. I'm not sure. I just I never knew if he just did something somewhere else, and and it might be because we've been listening to fucking Jay Sully for however long. But yeah, they could have had Helen Keller doing commentary. <laughs> <laughs> but I, just, um, I learned Braille before I got to see Jay Sully anymore. But yeah, I just it was a, it was a, it was decent for what it was. I um, thought Joey Styles. I mean, I thought Joey Styles did a, did a great job. You can yeah. clearly you can clearly tell he probably didn't have a shit ton of experience. But you know, Paulie can coach anybody up. You yeah. know, and plus you're doing it in front of nobody. You're doing it, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it. And, um, you know, he's not in the Eagle's nest, you know, as he yeah, needs you to believe he's not in the Eagle's nest up there. He's in Polly's mom's basement. He's in Tommy's and dreamers. Yeah. He's in dreamers. Mom's face. Nobody's going to see Polly's mom's basement. Come on. Seriously. There, <laughs> I'm sure there's evidence down there. So just <laughs> nobody, nobody hears about Paulie's mom. They only lots, hear about Paulie's father. Lots of checks that never made it in the mail down there. Yeah, um, there to 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 answer your question, Aaron, just I, while we while you were talking, I hopped on the interwebs here real quick. 
Uh, Joey got a start in 92 announcing for Tony Capone's North American Wrestling Alliance. He would split time with former WWE announcer Craig DeGeorge or or join DeGeorge for a two-man commentary team. So I didn't ever know that was a thing. So there you go. There's your answer. (laughs) He did a little bit of work before this. And then, uh, like I said, this match it was it was what it was, and um, not to not to spoil anything, but obviously, um, Dark Patriot wins. And was I the only guy that noticed that after he threw JT off, Doug was thinking about jumping off of that scaffold, yeah. but then was like, "Fuck it, fuck it, <laughs> fuck it, I ain't doing that." It's my last night anyway. What the <laughs> fuck would I do that for? I I really yeah yeah exactly yeah. Because he, he actually looked like he was going to crouch. And he was just going to like, so what, are you going to bend down like two feet? And then you're still going to jump like 20 feet? There's not an average. But um, I, I thought I thought myself, it had all the makings of a, of a great scaffold. And again, for the second week in a row, I wrote down, what is JT going to fuck up? Mm-hmm. And he fucked up something. I don't know what it was. Where he almost fell off the fucking goddamn. Well, well, it, I think it was when he went to try to do that drop kick. Oh, he is was that gonna what do it was? a drop. Yeah, like he went to do the drop kick, and he had to like shut a step because he almost fucking fell off. And yeah. Doug was just standing there looking at him, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I I thought that like I don't know. Do you, I mean, do either one of you two think you guys have never been in the ring? Right. You've never been. You've never done anything wrestling related. Do you think it's that hard to to book the psychology of a scaffold match? It seems pretty pretty uh, straightforward to me. You know, I mean, to be honest, I. It, Every every everything that you do in a scaffold match should look like you're attempting to throw the guy off the scaffold. I mean, because that's or, the way you win. Or, get, or getting you know? the guy set up to throw him off the scaffold, right? Like you know, you're not going to do the, the fucking that fish out of water spot where the sunset flip pushes the legs through, grab a hold of you, spin around. You know what I mean? You're There's not the, doing luch. You're not doing Guerrero Malenko, right? Up, up there. So it's like, how hard is the psychology for this? But I thought I, I was expecting. I'm not going to lie, I was expecting um, the best psychology because I think there was. I think I don't know about you. You tell me. I think there was elements of it mm-hmm. that there was very good psychology in it. But I think a lot of it had to do with. Uh, I'm sorry to say this, poor JT, that he was just the culprit of being the guy that you know, not the guy that's going to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And but he, he a lot of stuff was great. I thought a lot of stuff was really good. The psychology of how you build to where he falls off, and at some point, am I mistaken? I thought Doug was supposed to throw powder later on, and he he actually did later on too. He throws well, powder did, in the match twice before that. It was the same powder. Like um, <laughs> Joey, Joey actually made the joke the same time I in my brain was making the joke because. Dark Patriot just kept pulling shit out of his tights. And Joey goes, what does he have a hardware store in there? And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this guy is just like, it's like, it's, he's like the black scorpion. He's got, he's going to have magic tricks going on. And, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, but to that, I think that was a good part of the psychology because if the Dark Patriot is this piece of shit heel, then obviously he's going to take, he's going to take a bunch of weapons and stuff up there because he's going to try to fuck over JT. 
That was fine, but at one point he threw something that was nothing. I, get, I missed that, I think. I thought it was salt. Like, maybe he had salt. Mm-hmm. You know, because I see the chain. I see, you know what I mean? I figured it was just the whole entire arsenal. Maybe he didn't, and, get, maybe he didn't get the bag open, and he accidentally just threw the bag at JT. And, and, and then I'm looking at Jess, and I'm yelling, why isn't he throwing powder? The guy's 30 feet above the ring, you know what I mean? You blind the guy with some fucking powder. He's going to take one false step. Kaboom. Uh, <laughs> Done. Yeah. You know? But no, I'm just going, what has he got? He's got garlic? <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to do up there? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, like like Aaron said, um, Dark Patriot beats. Okay, he threw. Maybe that was what you what you saw, Chad. Because right at the end of the match, he throws. He or it looks well, like he like, throws powder again, and that's oh. what makes JT fall off the scaffold. Yeah, but that's where I thought he would. He should, he should have thrown about two and a half minutes earlier. Right like when he reached in his pocket, and he threw him a big puff of air. Take this. It's like the eye test. Yeah, he was, he yeah. was fucking up JT's contacts. <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, after the match, he continues to beat up JT through the crowd. But like I think we were kind of alluding to, this one was half good and half doozy, I think. There was there were good elements to it, and there were definitely some doozy elements to it. Well, it was a one, it was a one spot. Mm-hmm. It, it had one trick pony. I mean... What what I mean, what what are you what are you trying to do? I mean, why would they even why would they even have Doug take JT through the building? He threw him off the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your you got your you got your uh, your desired result. Like, yeah, now, you know, I'm just gonna keep beating the fuck out of this guy, even though I just plummeted him half to his death. Yeah, but every single time you beat him up, it makes you look weaker. Mm-hmm. Because you're beating up a guy you've already destroyed. And the guy's still walking around with you as you're dragging him around from concession standing. You know what I mean? Instead of being being on a stretcher. You're making him look stronger. So why not? You still want the goddamn thing. Go Go downstairs and give him a couple of boots and put your foot on top of him and go, look at this fucking MFR, you know? Right. He's garbage. But no, no, it's easy to do. The next match... Is the tag team wackiness that is Abdullah the Butcher and Kevin Sullivan against Terry Funk and Stan Hansen. And we start off, these guys just, I mean, it starts off as you would expect. They're just, they just go right into beating the fuck out of each other. It doesn't just start off as we expect, it just continues <laughs> and then it continues and then it ends. As we, As we expect. expect, yes. Aaron, <laughs> is this uh, your cup of tea? <laughs> um, like, it, is there a wrestler that did more nothing than Abdullah the Butcher? Like, in a match? Like, yeah, like he does nothing. Like, I know, like when he was younger, he would do his elbow drop, and he, he was a little more or whatever. But Abdullah does nothing in a match. I enjoy him. But just he just walks and forks, walks and forks. There's, there's like nothing to Abdullah the Butcher. You, you just said, is there? He he did he did his elbow drop. Okay, like I'm just saying, like <laughs> he did his elbow drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what I mean, whoa! <laughs> Take my breath just, away. What is, I, I, I mean, I, I just. I'm, <laughs> 
and and I get why people enjoy him and why people whatever like because of the gimmick and this that and the other thing. But I just Abdullah the Butcher doesn't does and has never done really anything for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it also it also goes back to me like storyline. There's no storyline there, you know. There's no reason to have Abdullah there. There's no reason to have Hanson there. I don't know what the fuck's going on with all this nonsense. <laughs> like, you know, because to me, it sounds like maybe um, because Victor's already got his fingers in that maybe um, Baba, you know, is looking at getting his fingers in. Maybe getting some, um, you know, all Japan talent from, mm-hmm. from ECW and stuff like that. But yeah, Abby does nothing. Like, I... I I, I can't even like I should do we should do a podcast on when's the last time Abby really did it. Right. Well, and I was gonna say with Abby, Jesus. it's a mystique <laughs> thing. It's a mystique thing because I remember when I was a kid and he would be on like oh crap like on on the NWA or, or whatever on TV. When I was a kid, his mystique intrigued me, like the yes. character intrigued me. But as I got older and started focusing and watching for different reasons. I like Aaron said. I mean, he doesn't do anything. He just stands there, or you know, it's all get, right through him. Yeah, yeah. That, that that was like I said. It was just a mystique, and I can see why. If you look at the way that Japanese fans back then, when he was huge there, reacted to wrestlers, I can see why he was big there. You know, that that guy coming at him, you know, or, or chasing him off or whatever. The Japanese people ate that shit up, so I can see why he was over there. But yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm never gonna seek out an Abdullah the Butcher match. And not to not to mention the rabbit in the hat. Like they didn't know how guys bled over there. Right. You you have Abdullah just grabbing guys, pushing them in the corner, and he's just grabbing. You know, and then the next thing you know, they're bleeding. You know, they don't. I'm sure people knew about the gimmick, but Abdullah was so good about it. Mm -hmm. How he did it. Fuck that. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have allowed that. To me, how that works, like however that him and the Sheik, Eddie Farhat do their gimmick, where they just put the blade on the inside of their hand, yeah, and they kind of like touch your head when they punch you, kind of thing. Fuck you, yeah, yeah, you ain't, <laughs> yeah. How about how about this? How about I'll just have a match with New Jack, and I'll ask him to cut me. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that one, Abdullah? <laughs> Fuck, Larry, <laughs> Larry. Yeah. Yeah, I call big fat fucking Larry. <laughs> you just don't get yourself out of a job. Come on down to big. Okay, come on okay. down to big. Come on down to big fat fucking Larry's barbecue and. Okay, and, um, wow. state it right now. That's, that's the that's the title of the show. Big fat fucking Larry. Big fat fucking Larry. Uh, <laughs> I, I literally almost booked a trip down there to go to his barbecue place. I, I had a thing booked like um with Jess where I had a couple of things that I had to take care of, like with my family and stuff. And I was like, well, why don't we just do like a whole entire like thing out of this? Like a two mm-hmm. weeks, you know, we'll drive to Knoxville, take care of this. And then while we're in Knoxville, we'll go to, you know, Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. And it fell through because I, I think I heard that Abby closed up his um, Chinese food and ribs joint. Yeah. He, I mean, how do, you, how do you lose money selling Chinese food and ribs? Right. It's pretty low low cost, <laughs> low, low overhead there. Yeah. Well, this match is interesting. Um, there's... Yeah, why, why did when, – when did uh, – Well, Abby – I, I, I didn't mean to cut. I didn't mean to cut you. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. 
But when Abby did Kevin it. when did Kevin Sullivan stop fucking selling for anything? You know, uh, can you give me? I, don't, I can't. I can't Aaron? pinpoint it, but I see. I, I can't pinpoint it, but I can definitely see what you're saying. Like, yeah, um, yeah, this match is it's all over the fucking place. And then like Eddie Gilbert gets involved in it, and Joey's like, Eddie's involved. He's not even booked. It's like he's been booked. And You've been advertising him advertised for, the for like yeah. the last three months. I think that was um, if if you want my opinion on this, um, I think that was a uh, to honor the stipulation um thing, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, like it wasn't like it, I mean at first I I first at first I was probably like oh Eddie just ran it like and did it, but I was like no you were right he was booked in the main event. Yeah. Yeah, he was so, supposed. He was supposed, but, and and I don't know, I don't know if he quit be- before the show. I don't know if he quit during because there had to be something going on where they felt the need to replace him in the match because you don't just you're not just going to call Kevin Sullivan at noon and say, hey, can you be at this show tonight at eight? You know, so obviously Sull- Sullivan got booked ahead of time. But why was Eddie taken out of the match in the first place? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how that how that came about. I agree. Um, I don't know because I have I haven't started yet, and even if I had started, how the fuck would I know it? I'm not going to be right. hanging around with Eddie and Paul and Todd going, "Hey, man, what's, what's going on with Eddie? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on with the upper echelon here at ECW? So, Eddie, Eddie could have been gone as um as early as Friday, right? You know, mm-hmm. because, you know, Paul would have been like, hey, I want to bring in so-and-so, so-and-so. And Eddie was like, well, I already had this show book. Right. And then it could have been just, that's why he's, you know, Eddie's just like, well, fuck, I'm just running it. That, that's why I think that Doug just smashed the place up. Well, Dark Patriot even comes out during this. We get uh, Ke- Kevin Sullivan hitting Terry Funk with a hammer. Um, All that shit sucked. Yeah. yeah. Sucked. And, and. Okay, I'm, I'm losing myself in my notes here. Sorry, because like you said, there's this Aaron, like Aaron said, this thing's all over the place. Yeah, and, and it doesn't and, actually surprise me that Abby would just shut his restaurant down because, I mean, that dude that dude never sold anything, so he's probably just like, shut it down. <laughs> hey chair shots to Kevin Sullivan. Like, nobody's ever... I would never sell the guy laying a chair on my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It looks He's silly. He's laying it on his head. It, yeah, He's exactly. He's just putting it on his head. And then, right. and then you have this match that literally, I mean, obviously if we're watching this match and we see the concept of it, has no disqualification. And it winds up ending on a disqualification. It, the, the end didn't make any sense because Eddie Gilbert comes out and I think hits Terry Funk with a chair, and then they call the match. Okay, so you've had all this insanity for ten minutes or whatever, <laughs> and then this this other guy comes out, hits one of the participants with a chair, and now oh, that's it. That's the last straw. It's time to throw this thing out. And they give the victory to Funk and Hanson. There's no real finish to this match, probably because nobody wanted to actually put anybody else over. I don't know. Yeah, but, but how much do you think that was the um? Well, yeah, clearly. 
that there was, yeah, it was going to end in, yeah, that was going to end in chaos to begin with. But I mean, but with the whole Eddie situation and stuff like that, they, they just did just, just go out there and get this match in the ring. Mm-hmm. You just get it in the ring. And get then, in the ring yeah. and get it the fuck over with. Yeah, yes. yeah. We'll, we'll deal with it later kind of thing. That's what I'm guessing it did. I mean, do you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because this was, like I said, this was, uh, I don't know. Even Johnny Hotbody winds up out there at one point. Like, there's so much, there's so well, many, there's so it? much, <laughs> there's so many <laughs> ingredients. There's so many ingredients of this soup, but this soup is not any good. Well, that's good soup if you got Johnny Hotbody in it. <laughs> Anything else on this one, guys, before we move on to the the next doozy? The next one is a doozy. <laughs> no, I'm just still trying to figure out why Kevin Sullivan hasn't sold since 1980. <laughs> like, like why, why, why isn't there a tape of somebody beating the shit out of Kevin Sullivan? Like, you know? Especially what? since, especially since he's my height. I mean, you know, he's, yeah. it's not like he's a towering, a towering monster heel. And not to mention, he's got to be in his late sixties now. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's got to be. But why isn't there? You've never seen him sell against anybody, even he's against not. Hogan. Like Hogan gives him a big baba chop, and he kind of does a little fake ass roll away, and he's. Like, I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> <Get the fuck. laughs> I haven't seen enough Florida to know. Did he sell for Dusty in Florida? Maybe no. No. <laughs> he did the same exact stuff he did his whole entire career. You hit him, he does a little fucking fake roll thing. So probably like what? Back. Like like when was he? When was it? Him and Eddie and uh, WWF, like the WWF. Was that like eighty eighty one or eighty two? Eddie Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. When well, Eddie Sullivan and... was there in seventy nine. Yeah. Gil- Gilbert came in in like eighty one. I don't. Were they ever team? Well, I just was thinking about I, I when they were. Was. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So I was just saying maybe Sully, when he was in Madison Square Garden, was probably maybe the last time he did any kind of jobs or sold it for anybody or anything. Can you imagine a guy? He's a guy who's not really a whole lot bigger than me. Maybe he weighs a little more than me. But could you imagine a guy like me going to just a show telling anybody, I'm not going to sell for you. I'm not selling. Yeah. I'm not selling funk. I'm not oh, selling. Yeah, Fuck you, you Hogan. I Fuck you, Hogan. I'm not going to sell for Hulk Hogan. Who'd you I ever think the meet? wrestling business already has a guy like that. I think his name is Loki. <laughs> Isn't that the guy? Yeah, Loki. Yeah. He won't put over anybody that can't beat him in a real fight. He's he's a little big for his little britches. It's a little it it's like a Napoleon complex, probably. <laughs> yeah, he even talks like this, so he sounds Loki. He talks like this, so he sounds bigger than he actually is. I, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. I like I like the guy Loki. I had never had a bad experience with him, but I, when I heard that stuff about him not doing jobs, I just kind of was like, "What the fuck business are you in?" Yeah. All right. The next thing here, we have the intergender battle royal. Love it. In, in which in which uh, Peaches has been replaced by Six Pack Sully. Peaches was supposed to be in this thing. She's not in it, but Sully is in it now. We've and got since when did he become a hillbilly? We've got Sensational Sherry, Angel, Tigra, Don E. Allen, Jay Sully, and <laughs> Hunter Q. Robbins. Hunter Q. Robbins in his tuxedo pajamas. In this thing, and uh, Aaron, take it away. Well, what the fuck is Jay Sully wearing? When did he become a fucking hillbilly? Where's Freddie Gilbert? He was supposed to be in. I think he comes in later. I don't. Know. This thing was just. Um, 
I can say this, that the Busty Angel went tits out for this match. I mean... The Busty Angel? Yeah. Well, her tits fall her out. Tits her, out. She did her yeah, her tits, tits out. fall out. And her hair comes off, too. Yeah, her hair comes just off. A, it's like, just an it's, awful it's, night for this young lady. <laughs> I think yeah. that was the truth. Oh, the wig thing? Yeah, I think it was. Because I think I remember her throwing a fit backstage over that. Um, I, if, if I'm wrong, then I'm sorry. But I think I remember... I remember hearing the thing because I, I, I know she I didn't must, watch it. She must have went to the Kevin Sullivan School of Wrestling then because she's going to go backstage and throw a fit because Sherry Martell took her wig off. Know your fucking lane, lady. <laughs> That's all wig. I'm saying. How about you're wearing a wig? <laughs> it could fall off. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Have you ever thought what? about that? It could fall off. Be like, hey, girl, don't cough or your wig might fall off. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Dude, this thing. I just, I just watched Brock Lesnar try to give um, Kurt Angle that shooting star press from WrestleMania. Oof. Uh, that's a, that's a rough one. That's a doozy. I remember watching that thinking that guy's dead. There's no way that guy's still alive. And then wow. he gets up and finishes the fucking match. I he would have been I, the. I just now saw it right now, and I'm just. If going, he wouldn't have been, if he wouldn't have been what he was before he got in wrestling, he in professional wrestling, he would have died, mm-hmm. or at least been paralyzed. But which anyway, is how I felt. Yeah. Which is how I felt after watching this intergender battle royal. Go back to fucking Angel's fucking wig. <laughs> Tiger eliminates Angel after Tiger sits on the turnbuckle for the entire match, and um, that's how it ends. Tigra wins the intergender battle royal. I don't have a lot of notes. It was nope, garbage. Nothing. It was garbage. Nothing. Other than the wig deal. And uh yeah, it was garbage. Aaron, yes. any final I, any final thoughts or wanna put this shit to bed? My note just it says stupid. It was. It was so stupid. It says it's stupid. And up next <laughs> our man Sal Valumo. Yeah, and the loser gets ten slashes with a wet noodle match. Against, is it Richard Michaels? Is it Chris Michaels? Is it Bill Michaels? Is it Al Michaels? What's his first name this week? Richard. They've Dick. called him Chris. They've called him Dick Richard. Michaels. In, I, any, uh, in, in any language, he sucks. <laughs> I can't even believe that I wasted the fucking hink to write this match down. Like, literally, like we don't have a whole lot of pens in the house laying around. So I don't want to just go writing stuff down, you know, you know without having any merit for it. No, no, waste a perfectly good pick. Yeah. Yeah. Why would I? Why would I want to do that? I wrote down Blomo versus Richards. Come on, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> just, just come on. Like after I've already watched Super D versus one versus two, and I figured I've watched all the fucking guys that aren't going to be here tomorrow. And these two guys decided that in this match, they were both just going to trade standing drop kicks. I don't know how many standing drop kicks I saw in this thing, but they were both like, what do you do? Well, I do a standing drop kick. Well, so do I. Well, I guess we'll just trade standing <laughs> drop kicks. That's, that's- I, I got to be honest. I actually tried to give Sir Richard Michaels some credit. Like, not credit. I tried to give him a chance mm-hmm. during this match. And I'm looking at him going like, all right, let me see what he can do. You know, maybe we can find a spot for him in a different position, but let me see what he can do good. I thought he was just the match, I just said, well, I mean, he got beat. 
Apparently he does a standing drop kick. That's all I got out of it. Yeah, it this, wasn't this was Sal's fucking mule kick. Yeah, this thing wasn't good at all. And Wild Man Sal ends up winning. I don't even remember how he wins, but it, it was, was a just bad. Splash, I'm sure. Yeah, stupid fucking the, boo. The pizza splash. But yeah, then uh, it's the return. Boo. It's the return of the Rock and Rebel, and he clocks the ever loving shit out of Wild Man Sal with that chair. And I know Aaron, I put I put Rock and Rebel returns with chair. Aaron probably popped. Oh, I was super happy, but he clocked the fuck out of him with that chair. I don't know if it was just well worked or what, but he smashed the fuck out of Sal. I'll take that. I'll take that any day over the chair shots that happened in that tag team match with Stan Hansen and all them guys, mm-hmm. where they were just putting the guys the chair on the guy's head. There was there was setting it on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebel, you know these guys are independent guys. They don't fucking know. Like how many in the how many chair shots do you think Rebel's given people in his career this far? Maybe four. He don't know how hard he hit somebody. He doesn't the fucking Sal does. Oh yeah. The, <laughs> And uh, oh, go ahead, Aaron. You, you can't. No, I was just gonna say too. Sully or, or Jay said something about um, Rock and Rebels um, clothes, like his attire. And I just noticed that, like, there's like I can't remember all the times he said it, but there's like at least four times where like Joey Styles is just making fun of people's like laundry. Like he's just knocking people's clothes like all throughout the show. I but, think yeah, I, mean, I think if you would have um if you would have I, I heard what you I heard what you're saying there. I heard the same thing about he was knocking the gym shorts and the um like tank top that he was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that could have been a gimmick. <laughs> because the rebel was, was in good shape. You know? Yeah he, he had a he had a good as Salvatore Bloomer would call it a good physique. Physique. <laughs> he had a good physique. And he was in good shape. So, you know, he wasn't in like, he wasn't cut like, say, a Chris Benoit thing, but he had like a good physique. And he could wear like that outfit. He wore it in like tight little fucking shorts. Like he was like, he was in like dazed and confused, the gym teacher. He's the ravishing rebel. He's the <laughs> ravishing rebel. Yeah. Why? Well, he could have easily have done that. But I guess because that was kind of the fashion at the time. That Paul didn't see that because I bet you Paul would have watched it now. Like, why did I make that guy like the fucking? <laughs> you know, like he could have been the he could have been the the rock in the gym shorts rebel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the nineteen the nineteen seventy seven gym teacher guy. Who's and when I'm your, when I'm like, when like, I'm your ta- when I'm your Taz. Make when I'm your tag pass. team, when I'm your tag team partner, everything's gonna be all right, all right, all right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you have do you have a good partner? No, well, it'll be better if you did. (laughs) (laughs) You you just—it's—that I mean, that gimmick just reeked of rebel right then and there. And when I saw it, and I heard Joey Styles make a joke about his outfit, I was like, "Dude, that's ridiculous!" Like, how do you think that's what he wants to go out there on TV and look like? Up next, it's the ECW Championship match, and. They never mentioned Tito, I noticed. So they never mentioned that. I know we discussed last week about it being a phantom title change from Tito to Shane Douglas. There was no mention of Shane even winning the title from Tito here. They just rolled on like Shane had always been the ECW champion. Rio de Janeiro. 
Yeah, Rio de Janeiro. And he uh, he is defending against our our good friend in his um, swimsuit, in his, yeah, in his surf suit, the Sandman. Um, this match, um, they, they went with the WrestleMania 9 rule, if you noticed, right at the beginning, because uh, Sandman tried to take the powder. And uh, the referee said if Sandman didn't come back by the count of 10, he was just going to give – or if, if Douglas didn't come back, I'm sorry. By the count of 10, he was going to give Sandman the title. So Shane comes back. He's with Paulie in his corner. I don't have a lot of notes on the match, just that it was a basic, you know, just a basic match. Shane Douglas coming in, being the wrestler. But right off the rip, Sandman hits one of those classic Sandman drop kicks. Yes. Sandman drop kicks, sir. You know, Coco Beware don't have any fucking thing to worry about <laughs> when, it, when it comes to drop kicks, when it comes to Sandman. He really does just flail out there and hope he hits something, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. I, I mean... I, I think Coco Beware probably has the best dropkick in the wrestling business, even if it looks as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as it is. But Sandman's dropkicks are probably worse than you think it is. <laughs> because Oof. he has no idea what he's hitting. Yeah, just yeah. as an observer, that's what I see. It's like he's just he's just a spitball just flying yeah. through the air, <laughs> <laughs> waiting to hit a window. He's throwing you in the ropes, and he's just going, watch this. <laughs> and he just jumps in the air, and he just kicks you. It's, oh, yeah. Jesus. It's like you just spit a wad of winter mint gum out of your mouth. You don't know where it's fucking going. It's just going. <laughs> yeah. Sandman is no Rick Martell. <laughs> this one ends with the with the phone shot um, and a, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> and a high cross. Well, I'm sorry. There's the phone Eddie. shot. There's the phone shot, and then Sandman kicks out. Sandman tries a high cross body on Douglas shit. and it's rolls out. rolls into a pin. Douglas pin, holds the tights, gets the pin on Sandman. I don't. Like I said, I don't have a lot of notes on the match because it was pretty basic, you know. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of, to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, I'm not even sure that makes any sense. Like they did enough basic shit that even Sandman couldn't fuck that up. At, at that stage in the game, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that as a fucking knock on Sandman, right? I mean, but the, at that stage in his career, working and and out of position that he's working in at this, you know, at this point, like, you know, it was position where he couldn't fuck that up. Yeah, was- I, I, I agree. I think everything looked great. I mean, Shane, Shane, at this point, um, I'm sure, um. I'm sure that Shane was being positioned to be the top guy, you know, and that's probably the, that's probably the catalyst for Eddie leaving. I bet you. Did they have heat? Not that I know of. But oh, I, okay. I, Just that he I, saw he was being replaced. Exactly. That, um, that Shane was going to be the guy that we're going to go with. Mm-hmm. And Eddie probably just didn't like that because he thought ECW was going to be his, like, um, Southeastern. Like, was, right. you know, but you're talking about you're, you're, you're almost behind the times to begin with going into the fight, mm-hmm. you know, because times are changing. Well, and I was that, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we just discussed it, and this isn't we. uh, This isn't a knock on Eddie, but we just discussed earlier in the show how people were clamoring for something new. And as fun as fun as Memphis wrestling is, 
the people in Philadelphia probably weren't clamoring for Memphis wrestling, you know. And plus, if you got if you got Shane Douglas and he's the freshest guy off of TV, you know, mm-hmm. like he was literally just on TBS, right? And yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I think um, I think Eddie was honestly, I really think Eddie was trying to keep ECW like um, you know, this is radio, so you can't see it on video, but like under his armpit kind of thing, like, Mm -hmm. or back pocket, so to speak. Right. You know, like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good here, and I'm only going to allow who I want to be here to be here. And Paulie was like, oh, fuck this. I got Shane Douglas. I got the public enemy. Yeah. Well, I got the public enemy? Yeah, well, (laughs) anyway. Whoa, okay, well, I mean, what what do you got, snow in your driveway? Ah, Johnny. Um, so the next and final match of this event, and we do not know. I, I, I maybe I can look here. I'll look while we're. We got the Headhunters, these two blobs, against Miguelito Perez and Crash the Terminator, who uh, most of you would probably know as Hugh Morris from WCW. Um, in a re uh, in a relay race of death match, like they're gonna run to the ring to get that. Uh, yeah, they're gonna they start out with a bat in the middle of the ring, and both teams have to. Let me see here. I'm looking at the report. They have to fucking run to the bat, and, and what's dumb is they they started the opposite sides of the arena. They're gonna do a relay race to the to the ring to get to the bat, and it's dumb. Because the faces, the, the the faces of the match get to the bat first, like, and then don't get to the, use it. It should be the heel that gets to the bat first, so they can have the advantage. It would be like letting the it would it would be the equivalent of like letting one of the faces of one side of the war games match to come in the match second. You know what I mean? Like it's like mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. This and I I I dislike well, the headhunters well, very it, much. It, it was unfair. It was unfair based upon diabetic re- or di- diuretic <laughs> reasons, <laughs> or diabetic in the case of the headhunters. Yeah. I'm sure I mean, one of them had, had diabetes. Yeah. I mean, you had. I mean, you had a, a fit of. Um, Miguel Perez Jr. and you had a a decently in shape uh, Bill Demont uh, as Crash Terminator, and you obviously had two out of shape, completely just you know no business being out there, guys. That was pumpkins fair. with feet. That's what they, that's what the headhunters are. They're pumpkins. Why didn't they give them a head start? They should have gave Mo Fat or, or, or Mo Fat or the, the head start and let him run out there. But yeah, I agree. Like when, like when the baby face got the bat, I was like, "Well, how, why did he get the bat?" <laughs> so what's he going to do? He's going to clean the ring, and the guys are aren't going to want to get in the ring. Yeah, this thing is bad. Bad. They and the the worst thing. Uh, well, uh, I don't want to say the worst thing, but one of the one of the bad things about it is there are two spots in this match where people go through a wall and the cameras never catch it, not once. Yeah, and Joey's like, "Oh my god, did you see that? He went through the wall." And I'm oh, like, no, Joey, I didn't see it. And then the second time they do it and they don't catch it on camera, they have the worst fucking cameraman on the planet. On this well, they only had what the hard. They only had the hard camera. Is that what it was? 
Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you've got two two times where guys go through through the wall in this match, and uh, they never catch it. Um, one thing is, I'll give Crash some credit. I'll give Bill DeMont some credit. He slammed, he slammed Rose Fat or whatever. He slammed that motherfucker. That was that Rose Fat. <laughs> He's, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean this this thing. It was kind of just like a, a a sour way to end a somewhat decent show. I thought it was rough. Definitely rough. I, I just don't like. I mean, there's a lot that I love about the headhunters. Um, like they they to me they reek of um great enhancement talent matches on TV, right? Like you know. What two twenty two? You give them, yeah. Give them two, slam them, jam them, hit the moon salt, and get out. Get the fuck out, right? Slam mm-hmm. them, jam them, like you said, two twenty two. But you get them out there at anything longer than ten minutes, and they just look pathetic. They're just you know? yeah, they're just waddling around. And I mean, <laughs> honestly, pumpkins with feet. Like pathetic is is the only word that I could describe them. It really is pathetic because they just they're out there breathing heavy and then just walking around carrying a guy who's supposed to be selling. And at some point, I'm not going to be selling anymore. Right? You know? Yeah, I've woken. My, yeah, I have. I have awoken. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we let's see. The headhunters win this match. I'm not. I'm not going through my notes. We, we discussed it enough. They win the match, and that is how we end Ultra Clash 93. Gentlemen, overall, what do you think of the show? I know we poked some fun. We had some fun again this week and some doozy moments, but... I'll give it a two and a half. Out of five? Yeah. I can I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Uh, I'm going to say there's a lot that I liked about it. Like, a lot of it that I liked about it was because it was going in the right direction. Yeah, you're putting things to rest. You know, you're putting, starting to put some guys out to pasture. I don't know if we'll see the Super Destroyers again. We may never get the, the, uh, the, the satisfying ending to this story. Yeah, we might, <laughs> we might never get the close. No, I think we got what we deserved from it. I think we got what <laughs> I, we I don't know. I, I only wish upon Star that we get the closure <laughs> of the Super Ds. But I, I like the fact that. That what Eddie did was he brought in the names like Abby, Kevin, Hanson, Funk, and all them guys in because he brought he brought in a lot of people that were that weren't that were probably going to independent wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, that were disenfranchised at this time, and that was a completely alternative show. I mean, whether you like what you saw, or you didn't like what you saw. It was a completely different show, right? Oh, yeah, it was much different than anything else you saw you were seeing on TV at that time. Yeah, right. So, therefore, sure. therefore, in my opinion, it was well worth the amount of money that Eddie, that, well, Todd spent to bring mm-hmm. in the Abdullah and all You know, because later on, we're going to get the Sheik, for Christ's fucking sake, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and that's, um, that, that's the, the, the beauty of ECW is like, Wow, now we're finding out what all these people really want. And we when you speak about the alternative, this is the alternative. We want more what is it? Uh more violence or more or real 
realistic. More realistic, yeah, more realistic. That was, yeah, that's what more, I'd more say. Real, more realistic in our in our wrestling. I want, I want more. I want more mid south than I want WWF. Yeah, well, for sure. More everything. I'll take. I'll take all deep south, um, Chattanooga. <laughs> before I'll take WWE wrestling. Yeah. Well, I, I try. I try to tell Jess all the time. Um that I, I consider myself fortunate the fact that I'm not a wrestler now because I wouldn't want to work for the WWE. Why would I want to work there except for the money? Yeah, I mean, to be nobody, nobody gets made a star anymore. You know, I mean, yeah. everybody's just, everybody's just a, 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 a what I, don't, I don't know what the expression I'm trying to look for, but everybody's just a not piece a in the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, everybody's just a pe- another piece in the puzzle that, well, we can take you out, we can put you back in whatever it's all about the brand it has nothing to do with the stars anymore it's just it's wwe whoever's whoever's here's here and that's we'll put them in shitty storylines on our tv none of it none of it seems none of it seems fun to me like i'd want to be a part of it like Mm -hmm. you know even going over your match you had to have to go over it with somebody right but back back in back in these ecw days do you really think it was like that at all? I don't think so. I was going to ask you that. Do they even, I mean, did they even tell you, you know, you have this much time then? Or did you come well, up with you your match? Time. and then? Okay. But, I mean, basically it would be like, um, uh, let me guess. It would be, um, it'd be Todd. I guess Todd would be the guy. I mean, for me, I, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that the higher ups had their finishes already, you know, going through a Paul. Right. It'd be like, all right, you're doing, um, you're going out third with nine one one, you know, or whatever. It was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it, 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 you know, it's just weird, like you know how wrestling is nowadays. How you can't just go out there and do anything on the fly. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why it doesn't look. It doesn't look real anymore. It looks it look, it, and I'm not disrespecting what the guys and the gals do. You know, they're still talented individuals and great athletes. But damn, it sure ain't what it used to be. So yeah, guess I, what? I, oh. I, I just wouldn't want to work there. It, it's it to me. It sounds more like a job now than it would have ever have been. Like this, remember back in the day, you would hear about like just say um I don't know Big John Stud um all the traveling he would have to do. Mm-hmm. And he would probably say, yeah, all the travel is a pain in the ass kind of thing. Well, that sounds like a walk in the park compared to how the guys are now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What they got to do, what they can do, what they're allowed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Next week, our show is uh, the, the ECW show from September 21st, 1993. I will read the description from the WWE Network. <sighs> All right, Ultra Clash has some changes. Uh, Ultra Clash has some changes here, but we have kind of more of the same, it sounds like, next week. Listen to this. On this edition of Eastern Championship Wrestling, Jimmy Snuka defends the ECW Television Championship against the Metal Maniac. Woo! And let's see. We're gonna, they're going to show us highlights from Ultra Clash, plus an update on Sal Balomo's condition. We all have to know. We have to know. And uh, and much, much more. 
<laughs> I'm a hurt. I'm a hurt. But the that's kids. A, that's the a kids. spicy meatball. Oh, the kids. <laughs> well, gentlemen, any parting words for our listeners this week as we sign off after discussing Ultra Clash 93? Oh, looking forward to next week and actually enjoyed watching this show and discussing it with you guys. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, th- this is the kind of show that's really going to get me excited when it comes to going forward with doing these shows. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're starting to see that there's there's better talent, weaker talents getting weeded out. And I, I, I don't, you know, I've said it many times, I don't wish any ill will anybody, that you know, weaker talents getting weeded out. And we're starting to see, you know, new talent coming in. And the product's going to get better and we're all going to benefit from it. Yes. And, and you know, and the shows are going to get better. And I was telling Jess that I was afraid that, um, that, our fans weren't going to follow our show if it weren't as funny anymore because the shows were getting better and we're not beating them up as much. Like I thought maybe the jokes may have been part of the reason why we had so many listeners. We, we <laughs> should, uh, shows get good, or, I mean, they're gonna, or listen to us do our analysis. Uh, I'm sure every single show is going to have at least one thing that can be turned into comedy. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me this week. Listeners, thank you for joining us. And we will continue the journey next week as we are reliving the extreme. Have a great week, everybody.